Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, the 24-7 Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and joining me all the way from a New York bathroom is John Fields. John, how are you doing this morning in the Big Apple? <laughs> man, you know, it could be better, but uh, it could be worse, man. Being, being in New York City sure helps, uh, you know, after seeing a football game like, like we saw last night. I mean, being in New York sure doesn't. Sure doesn't hurt. And, uh, you know, recording from the hotel bathroom, I mean, just doing what we got to do to get the content out, man, get the people what they want. Yeah, you know, trust me, trust me. We've recorded from some crazy places, whether it's in Indianapolis or wherever else uh, in the past few years. So that's definitely that's that's a that's a unique one, though. A hotel bathroom. That, that's great. That's great. <laughs> but we have a, a lot to talk about today, um, whether it's about the game or other you know, just general topics here. Uh, North Texas and UAB. It was, I watched the first half, John. Last night I got home, got okay. home at midnight. And I was like, all right, I had some stuff to finish up. I get on there about one, find the game on stadium, full game. And I was like, all right, let's just watch this. Watch the whole first half. Watch the Seth Luttrell interview or post-game presser. And... I just I, I couldn't I couldn't do it. I would have been one of those fans that left at halftime. I can't lie to y'all. Like I might have left if even if I was covering the game at halftime. I might have been like, all right, I'm gonna go home and I'll just, you know, watch this from from my bathroom. Like this is this is ridiculous. <laughs> so uh but anyways, North, UAB defeats North Texas 40 to 6 in Denton in Apogee Stadium with several recruits in hand, just based off what they were posting. I mean, a lot of them said, I mean, Vincent Page, Coilon, Ferrar, um, a lot of players who would just have offers, 2023 class were also in attendance. And everybody there, about 17, 18,000, just watched UAB just stomp North Texas. It was, I have a lot of thoughts on it. I have a lot of, it, it, we've, for anybody listening to this podcast that's listened to us the past two years, Y'all know kind of the direction I'm going, but uh, I want to let John go first to kind of give us takeaways from the game. Maybe your, what what stood out to you the most uh, from from last night's loss? Man, well, I mean, just starting out, I mean, basically from the jump, the defense gets a nice stop uh, sort of as UAB was inching into UNT territory. So you got to feel pretty OK about that. You're like, hey, these guys can hang in there a little bit. Then Reuter comes out, roll out to his right on the first play. And I mean, just a really awful interception, a ball that either you got to get out quicker than that or you just don't throw. You throw it out of bounds. Right. So yeah. terrible interception there by Reuter. And then it all really just felt like it went downhill from there. I mean, UAB gets a touchdown two plays later. And I mean, then they just really opened it up, got a field goal, a couple more big play TDs, end up 30 to zero at halftime. And it's like, I mean, this was nowhere near the game that I was expecting it to be, at least. I mean, coming off the first half showing against SMU, I had a feeling UNT might be able to stay relatively close with these guys. UAB is not known for having, you know, a dynamic offense or anything like that. They're known for their defense. So I thought it could be a low scoring sort of defensive battle like that first half was at SMU. But, man, it just went complete different direction. And, uh, you know, it's some unique, unique ish issues for North Texas, I guess, under Latrell, because you're not used to the offense being this bad. I mean, you're, you're not used to getting basically nothing out of those guys. I mean, the highest receiver gets 21 yards. You don't even break 100 yards passing the ball. The quarterbacks are 14 of 34 combined. Ruder 
gets benched for basically the rest of the first half. And Ani comes in after those first two drives. Reuter comes back out for the second half. He gets the one touchdown play to Detravion Brown, which shout out to him, first TD of his career. But that was like, a pretty nice throw, too. It was, it was. But outside of that, I mean, man, there are just not, not a lot of positives at all. And the one thing I will note, this isn't to make excuses at all, but you got three wide receivers out with injuries with Shorter and Bush, who the radio broadcast said might be looking like out long-term. Well, I think Lorenzo, it was just, oh, was Lorenzo out? And Lorenzo Thompson was out as well with a concussion, uh, according to the radio broadcast as well. So missing three guys like that. I mean, you've basically got Rod Burns and then, you know, Deontay Simpson was out there a bit, but he hasn't played the first two games. So, I mean, banged up definitely didn't help things, but man, I don't know what this offense would have looked like even fully healthy because it was just awful from the start. Yeah. Um, I was glad to see Deontay out there. At least uh, going into the game, I had assumed that Jair, Deontay and Tommy were all out. Um, I, I, I going into the game, I didn't know Lorenzo was going to be out. So yeah, either way you have three, basically of your top four receivers out. Cause I would consider Lorenzo probably in that group. I mean, no offense to Rod Brown. I think Lorenzo is probably a more talented player, even though Rod has been more productive to this point. Um, I, I, my prediction going into this game and I meant to text you, I got really busy on Saturday, but I meant to text you. My prediction, I had texted one of my friends was 31, 21 UAB. Hmm. And, and that felt safe. Like it felt like I was like, okay, North Texas should be able to keep this within the spread was 12. I thought they should be able to cover that. I thought, you know, UAB's like you said, it's not known for putting up 40 points on a team. Um, I thought, you know, maybe they scored 31, 35, maybe at most and North Texas can kind of hang in there a little bit. 24, 35 still would cover, but then they come out and Ruder, through the interception, he should have fumbled, but he the, the fumble got called back. And it reminded me a lot of the Middle Tennessee game from last year, uh, where they come out and Austin Ani threw the interception and had the fumbles, and Middle Tennessee goes up 14-0. And it reminded me a lot about that. The difference for this game was, A, it was at home, and B, it was not against Middle Tennessee, right? This is UAB. This is the winner of the West in three straight years, winner of the conference in two of those years. And they are not a team that you can just swap quarterbacks and everything's going to be fine. Like last year, this was a really disgusting showing. And while I, I think it can be compared to games over the last two years, like, yes, they got stomped by SMU at home. Yeah. They got, beaten down by Charlotte at home. That was awful. Like, yeah, you, you've had plenty of UTSA on the road. You've had plenty of disgusting losses. This one felt unique, I think, for a few reasons. I think it's felt unique because there were different faces this time around. Like, Jace Reuter at quarterback, we felt like was – I mean, he at least was different from Austin on and Jason Bean last year. They didn't have the receivers. Okay. But the defensive line, the Murphy brothers were there last year, but they, they are now established. Um, you know, you feel like you have Phil Bennett on the sideline. You have something different there. You know, you have Mike Blesh and Tommy Maynard calling the plays for the most part. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much you change around this, just it doesn't matter how much you tweak and how much you change 
as far as the players on this team, it just feels like it's always the same thing. And so I'm going to save a rant for later on, but that's just what it felt like watching the game to me. And I was just like, something has to give at this point. This is ridiculous. But to go into more fine points like like you did, because I think that's a great place to start. Um, Offensively, the inability to run the ball was a big thing. Mm-hmm. Seth Luttrell kind of mentioned after the game, they, they were in cover too high, basically man under the entire game. And which basically left five men in the box when they were spread six, you know, if they were in 11 personnel. And if you can't run when you have hat on a hat, five on five, six on six, you're not going to be able to run the ball like ever. So uh, they weren't able to run the ball. I don't even know what Tori ended up with. He obviously was kind of hampered with the ankle injury, but he still, I don't, I didn't think was, was bad. I think he was fine, but they just had nowhere to run. So yeah. um, the run game was, was, was really worrisome, some to me. No, I, I a hundred percent agree on the run game. Tori ended up 24 carries for 82 yards. So, I mean, serviceable, but definitely not ideal. Feels like somewhat of a carryover from some of the issues they had in the SMU game as well, where they weren't really able to establish the run. Again, they had those issues with the little short yardage, third and fourth downs where they couldn't convert that. I mean, and getting back to some of what you said, you know, they did have, they've changed a bunch of faces around, but a a bunch of stuff felt like those same 2020 issues. I mean, the whole quarterback situation really felt so 2020, man. I mean, you get a couple bad drives to start the game from Ruder. You bring in Ani, he comes in, he can't bring you anything better for the rest of the whole first half at least those guys had more of a leash to some extent, but man, it still just looked awful. Yeah. This is by far the worst quarterback play that they've had uh, under Seth Luttrell. Like I'd take freshman year Mason fine, even though he was limited. I would, I would take uh, last year's situation just because I felt like, I mean, and this gets into a, a different point from the quarterbacks in, I, I was tweeting last night at 2 AM because I was just tired and I honestly didn't care at the end of the day, and I was going to take my victory lap for everybody saying, oh, Jalen Darden wasn't that big of, of a piece. And I'm not saying that people didn't think he was a big part, but they thought that they could replace that production with, with multiple players mm. or maybe the system, right? Maybe Seth Luttrell's system did had a part in it. No, it was just Jalen Darden last year. It was literally Jalen Darden last year. Like, there's no way you can watch this offense or watch the receivers, and albeit, like you said, Three of the top four receivers were gone. So, yes, to a degree, we have to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt in that regard. Jalen Darren last year accounted for 46.4% of the UNT's receiving yards, 45.4% of the receptions, and 19 of 25 receiving touchdowns last year. You take him off the team, and you give Seth Luttrell Conference USA caliber players because that's what they have. They have fine players, and he can't make anything out of them. Like, unless if he has Jalen Guyton on his team, unless he has Rico Bussey on his team, and unless he has Jalen Darden on his team, unless he has Mason Fine on his team. And again, credit to him for, for finding them and developing them and capitalizing on them. But UAB scored 40 points, and their offense is not star-studded. Their offense is just has nothing worth celebrating. Their recruiting-wise has nothing. You look at... Any team in conference, Western Kentucky is doing this. Bailey Zappi at quarterback, who was an FCS player last year, with an FCS receiver right next to him. You look at any team in Conference USA, basically, because North Texas has out recruited everybody in Conference USA for the most part, except maybe FAU. 
Um, I mean, even, even UTSA has only gotten good recently at recruiting and they're still going out here and just running the score up on people. So I don't care about what this offense did in the past because in the past they had exceptional talent. And so now this year, I think we're getting this, I think we're starting to see Seth Luttrell. And I think we saw this at spurts last year, but what Seth Luttrell can do when he just has equal level talent, when he doesn't have superior talent to his opponent. And that's the difference here because good Lord, is it the same thing every single game? There was a fourth, the fourth and two in the second quarter when everybody in the world knew what they were going to run up the middle. Sure enough to turn hand up the middle, but they're short stopped other way. It's the same thing every single year and offensively for him not to have evolved for him, not to have, figured out how to play without Jalen Darden for him not to have figured out how to play without Mason fine because the quarterback situation is the worst it's ever been. Um, I'm not going to comment on the receiving position, whatever the running game, which we thought would be a huge strength. And I think has shown flashes just because Deandre Torrey, I don't think is consistent enough against anybody as coming up on their schedule. So the offense is just a complete mess for me. Um, and I think I, you just have to blame Seth Luttrell because he is an offensive coach, an offensive coordinator, the savior on offense. And this is just a disgusting offense. And I think it starts at the quarterback position because neither of these guys are any good, which gets into a separate point that I, I think I'll save. I'll, I'll stop raining here. But uh, do you have anything else on the offense before we move on? Man, I tell you what, even the offensive line, which we had talked about coming in as sort of one of the strong suits on offense, like even they looked awful last night. I don't understand what the deal was, really, because even they were struggling to get pass protection or they were struggling to get anything going on the ground. Like there was no unit on offense where you could say they were any better than maybe serviceable. Daisy on Carroll had three had three penalties in the first half. Yeah, I, I stopped watching at the first half. I hope he didn't have any more. He literally had three in the first half. And then, and I'm at, at this, I mean, I thought, I didn't think Manasseh Mosa. I didn't think, Jay, I didn't think anybody on the offensive line played well. I didn't think any of them won their one-on-ones. And again, UAB is a really good defense. Like this isn't taking anything away from UAB. Not that anybody here cares about giving credit to UAB. UAB is a great defense, right? Conference USA, they're always the best defense in Conference USA. Like every single year you go down there, they're just going to shut you down. Last year, or I'm sorry, two years ago against UAB at home, North Texas lost 26 to 21 in the last game of the season when they were playing for nothing. They had already lost to Rice and they had did not have a bowl berth eligible. They had nothing to play for besides, you know, um, sending out the seniors, Mason Fine and company on a high note. That was all they were playing for. And they lose 26 to 21. And they, they had some chances to win that game too. That UAB team might've been better than this UAB team. Mm. And yet North Texas this year, I believe had more to play for this year, probably definitely had more talent on defense. This year probably has a better, definitely had a better offensive line. That offensive line that year was God awful. Um, and so we, we look at, again, all the tweaks around this team, two years later, these two teams are playing in den again and it's 40 to six. And I think the biggest difference here is going from Mason fine to these other quarterbacks. And that gets into 
my one like separate point here about the offense is we talked about this on Colin and I talked about this on the podcast before is where is the quarterback development in this, in this program over the past six, this is now year six for Seth Luttrell. We look at the quarterbacks that have come through this program and how many of them can we say are, have taken significant steps forward here into just being a conference USA caliber quarterback, like a top five conference USA quarterback, a conference USA quarterback, like none besides Mason fine. Right. And Mason fine. You could tell freshman year, he just came in ready to play. Like there was nothing about, there's not much to develop there. Like he came in, he was really good. He got better. And um, he obviously let the, let the world on fire. He was great outside of him. If you just go through the names, right? Let's let's go with um, Will Keeney. He's gone, mm. right? Three mid eighty three rated player, three star coming out of high school, solid player. We had high expectations for. Um, Casey Martin has produced absolutely nothing to this point, right? And uh, we love Casey Martin, but you know, at this point, we have to say what it is. Um, Austin Ani, this is his year, third year and or fourth year, third or fourth year. And, um, he's obviously like 28 years old, still is the same player. He was three years ago. Not ready. Jason Bean, um, is showing flashes at Kansas, but the thing about Kansas is they're actually using him how he should be used. He's running yes. the ball a lot more. We said last year that he should be running the ball a lot more. So Jason Bean didn't, couldn't, couldn't pan out over here. Um, Armani Good, uh, Armani. Well, my gosh, I forgot. Armani his name. Gilmore. Armani Gilmore. Thank you. Um, Armani Gilmore, Kentucky transfer. Good enough to go to Kentucky, and kind of, I think he competed for the job over there. Lost it and transferred over here. Nothing. Haven't heard about him. Jace Ruder, four-star quarterback. Albeit he's only been here for three, four months. Whatever it is, looks awful. Just doesn't look good. Just doesn't look, even when he looked good. And I, I continue to say that he has higher potential. That's what I kept saying. That's what I specifically said this entire, like the past two weeks. I was like, all right, he has the potential to be better. And I think this offense needs him, which I a hundred percent agree with my previous statement that like, because he has the higher ceiling, I think they kind of have to play him because like he can make throws like that touchdown. He can like zip it in there every now and then, but he's, just uh, no, no, he hasn't been it. Um, I'm definitely forgetting other another scholarship quarterback, but I mean, if you want to go all the way back to Alex Morris in 2016, Arkansas transfer, awful. Like Quinn Shambor, awful. We go down the list of all these quarterbacks here, and none of them have developed or improved under Seth Luttrell. You know who has improved? Mason Fine, and that was probably because of Graham Harrell. So I don't think this is solvable. I don't think this is something that can be fixed because the quarterback position, the most important position on your team is a lost cause. And it's been a lost cause since Mason Fine left. And even when you had Mason Fine in 2019, you weren't able to deliver with him. So the, the quarterback position is just, in my opinion, by far the biggest concern. And it's something that has no track record and no evidence that it will improve because of Seth Luttrell's system, whether it's Seth Luttrell's development, whether it's who the coaches that Seth Luttrell's bringing in, it's not working. It hasn't worked in two and a half years now. 
the quarterback position is just where I'm at. And that's really just the line in the stand for me. He can't develop quarterbacks. He can't figure out a system to make, to allow quarterbacks to excel in his offense, unless if it's a star. Um, so that, that, that's, that's all I got on, on the quarterback, sir. Man, let's, let's move to the defense though. <laughs> let's move to the defense yeah. whenever you can, you can lead us off there. I mean, it's tough, right? Because I think the defense was at least a more promising unit last night, albeit with a lot of the same frustrating issues with big plays that they had against SMU because they did show flashes. I mean, the stop on the first drive after they gave up, I think it was the three touchdowns and a field goal. After that, they got like three or four straight three and outs that they forced basically. So the defense showed flashes of being a really good unit. It's just, they keep giving up these big plays for touchdowns, man. I mean, it was three touchdown passes that were all, I think, 30 yards plus. Two of them were 40 plus. I mean, it's just, I don't know what it is, if it's communication issues, if it's, you know, just guys not getting lined up properly or what. But, man, they have got to cut down, obviously, on giving up all these big play touchdowns. Because if they cut some of those out, I mean, North Texas, as bad as the offense played, is still in this game. That's how good this defensive unit, I think, can be. And I came away with some promise, but... I mean, seeing the same big play issues against SMU definitely doesn't give me a ton of confidence in this defensive unit going forward. Yeah, the defense talent-wise is the best. I mean, I shouldn't. I don't know if I'd say the best. It's it's at least the second best talent-wise unit that they've had under Seth Luttrell, like defensively. Like the 2018 defense was really, really good too. So I'm not gonna take anything as far as talent goes. I mean. EJG or Brandon Gardner, Kimon Hall, you know, Nate Brooks. Um, I think all of them were very good. Ladarius Hamilton, obviously. This defense has the potential to be that level of defense. And I mean, when you look at the personnel, I think the Murphy brothers, I th- honestly think they had a pretty good game. Tyreek Davis had a great game. Um, I thought Kevin Wood played decently well. Uh, again, this is all based on the first half. If y'all say that they played awful in the second half, I'll, I'll take y'all's word for it. Uh, but I'm just going to go off the first half when it was 30 to zero. Um, I thought Quinn Whitlock played horrible. He allowed that touchdown on a go route when he has an eight yard cushion. And that's unacceptable. Yeah. I thought Quinn Whitlock has been awful to this point this year. Um, I didn't see John Davis get thrown at much. Mikhail Sanders looked out of position on that one short out pass. Um in the flat that ended up going for 50 yards and a touchdown. And I was yeah. looking at, I was like, how does that happen? Mikhail, with Mikhail Sanders and Sean Gaddy back there. I'm like, the safety should be able to make a play. Nope. Sean Gaddy gets blocked. Mikhail Sanders is nowhere to be found. They're just chasing him. Like, like they're playing tag or something like this. It's ridiculous yeah. that they able to get there. But yeah, like you said, the big plays are really the killer. And uh, which is a shame because the defense line is really good. I think the linebackers have some potential. Um, at the end of the day, Phil Bennett came over here pretty confident, and I'm even going to say to an extent arrogant, that he was like, oh, all you have to do is fix a few things here and there, and this defense is going to be perfectly fine. Um, and I do think he's a major upgrade. I think he's been very good to this point. But the second half, like if we just take away the first half of the SMU game, which is unfair, it's completely unfair. If we just take away the first half of the SMU game, over the last six quarters, how many points have they given up? Right, what twenty-eight and yeah. half of SMU, and then forty the UAB. They've allowed sixty-eight points in the last six quarters of play against SMU, a good offense. UAB, not a not a great offense. So no. that balances out. Sixty-eight points in the last six quarters, and most of them have been off big plays. Phil Bennett 
wanted to talk the talk. And in the first six quarters of the season, he walked the walk. Second half, most recent six, is I don't know if he's been figured out. I don't know if the players aren't learning. I don't know if the players have become disinterested. I don't know what it is. But what I do know is uh, the next six quarters and the next six quarters after that and the next six quarters after that are going to be hell because of who's on this schedule. Yep. Talked about it time and time again. La Tech, Missouri, Liberty, and Marshall. Those teams are just gonna just put points on the board if 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 North Texas doesn't figure it out. So um the big plays are concerning uh but to me it's the fact that they are on their third defensive coordinator in three years and we are continuing to see the same problems. Yeah. Well, and I think maybe the stat of the first half for me, the UAB had a couple quarterbacks play. The first guy went like 0 of 2 passing. So the second guy comes in, he goes three of three for like 200 yards and three touchdowns, right? He throws a touchdown every single pass. The broadcast was joking about how he had one of the highest like quarterback ratings they'd ever seen, but he wasn't, you know, at a perfect 1200 because they weren't all 99 yard touchdown passes. Like that's how awful it was where the three times UAB throws the ball every single time it's a touchdown basically or at least the three times they completed, like three out of the five passes they tried. It was so I mean, bad. I just don't understand how that happens. It was just so bad. It was – and then you get the 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 Grayson Murphy uh, gives gives the quarterback a little shove, just a very small shove out of bounds for the 15-yard penalty. And then – and then if I – again, if I might be wrong on digesting this play, he was arguing with the ref on the opposite side, and then the play is ha- about to happen, and he's – on the sub list like he's getting subbed off the field and he's late off the field and he ends up having to go down hold his fake an injury um comes off the field gets mad at phil bennett and it's like it's like oh like uh, i don't know whatever whatever he's saying whether he's saying he was arguing with the ref or whether he was saying that he didn't know it was his turn or whatever whatever he's saying he's mad at phil bennett phil bennett and him uh, talk. I'm not going to say they were mad at each other because that's a coach player thing. You know, that happens, but exchanger. And then they go on and they give up another touchdown. So it's like, it doesn't matter who's on the field. It just feels like, it feels like this defense is just broken beyond, beyond repair. And at the end of the day, it has to, even though Seth Luttrell doesn't coach defenses, even though he's not a defensive coach as a head coach, if you can't get it right in three hires with the talent that they have, it's on you. It's on you. Like Deshaun Gaddy can go anywhere in the G5 and start. Deshaun Gaddy is a fine player. Gabriel Murphy and Grayson Murphy can go anywhere in the G5 and start. Dion Noville will start anywhere in the G5. Um, the linebackers, I think, are capable of starting in a lot of places at the G5 level. Like, you have plenty of players here. And again, this isn't on Seth Luttrell directly because he's not the defensive coordinator, but good Lord, we can't, we can't just keep, we can't keep seeing the same thing over and over and just being like, well, you know, maybe, and it's not even the same. It's not even just the past three years, right? Seth Luttrell's only had one good defensive year under him. And that was 2018. And again, I think that was just a perfect storm again, to go to my point from the offense of saying that, the great players just carried them. Nate Brooks, Kimon Hall, Ladarius Hamilton are all in the NFL or at least fighting for NFL spots. Like they're all legitimately good players. 
and the linebackers I think were great that year, like EJ and Brandon Garner. So, you know, you, you, you have comparable G5 talent and it's just been the same thing every single year um, on the defense side, as well as the offense. Like it just doesn't, it hasn't clicked. It doesn't click. So, man. And, and, and I tell you what, I, I just remembered one play that I think might sum up the whole game defensively for us, but um, it was a, so it was a wide receiver pass play to the end zone. So they hand it off to the running back. He pitches it to the receiver and uh, the UAB quarterbacks going to the end zone, right? The ball is way uncatchable, just a bad ball from the receiver, but the UAB quarterback picks up Sean Thomas Faulkner and like basically body slams him onto the ground. And I was like, how does a quarterback do that to a defensive back? or a linebacker, whatever you want to consider Sean Thomas Faulkner. And I just thought that maybe epitomized the entire game because it just felt like UAB manhandled UNT all night long. Thank God I didn't see that. I heard about it. You texted about it before, and I was like, I just I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this. Um, I have a couple other points here. Um, Let me see where I can get get rid of. I think the last thing I have is just the – the I want to talk about the recruiting differential between North Texas and UAB to this mm. point. Um, so as we know, the last three years, North Texas has been really good. I think uh, last three years has been fourth, second, and first. And before that, 2018, I think they were eighth. Uh, if we look at UAB, last four years, 2018 ranked ninth in the conference. 2019 ranked third in the conference which is, I believe, is their best in probably the past decade. Uh, So 2019, they ranked third. In 2020, they ranked eighth. Again, North Texas ranked second in 2020. And in 2021, they ranked eighth. North Texas ranked first. So, and again, you know, recruiting rankings um, aren't the end-all, be-all. However, they have proven year in, year out to give a very uh, accurate indicator of, you know, the talent on the team and the talent on, of the player. You obviously have exceptions to the rules in different situations. Um, but especially when it comes to freshmen impacting and young players impacting these, uh, I mean, the Murphy brothers obviously have stepped right in and, and been big. Uh, you know, you look at other, Lorenzo Thompson, et cetera, et cetera. So the talent... North Texas from a talent level, and this is what I said coming into the year, is that this six-game stretch of teams shouldn't be as daunting as it is because North Texas talent-wise should be on the same level as them. Like this, this, This shouldn't be a year where you're like, oh, man, I hope they can steal a home game against UAB or I hope they can steal a home game against Marshall. Like, it shouldn't be at that point because, A, this is your six under Seth Luttrell. If nothing else, this team should have an identity. If nothing else, this team should be ready to play. They haven't been on either account. But if absolutely nothing else, they should have the talent to play with these guys. And yet, somehow, UAB consistently just looks like they have more talent than North Texas when we know Coming out of high school, at least, that's not the case. Yep. So what is the problem here? And it's the same problem we've said the last two, two years, except this time we just have even more data. We have even more resources. We have even more points to look at. 
where we can say, okay, this isn't a one-off. This isn't a blip. UAB has a better culture. UAB has a better coach. UAB just knows what it's doing. It develops players better. UTSA, same thing. They've done it in two years. They've done it in one year, really. As soon as Jeff Taylor walked on the campus, he was doing this. Developing players, establishing roles, establishing that identity. I, the identity for this program under South Central is Mason Fine. That's really it. That's really all it ever has been. And now we're looking at this team like, wow, I'm shocked that they can't hang with UAB. When in reality, the last two years, we've been saying this consistently. Maybe it's just been Mason Fine. Maybe it's just been these NFL caliber players. And now you give them Conference USA caliber talent, which again, should be good enough. To, Gabriel, the Murphy brothers, Deion Oville, this whole defense basically has the talent of a top five defense Conference USA. Yep. So there's no reason that UAB should be dropping 40 on them. Albeit the, the offense didn't help, but still the big plays were just the big plays. So SMU, they're recruiting on SMU. I'm not going to say they're recruiting on SMU's level. SMU is still recruiting a tier above them, but again, should be competitive with SMU. UAB, LaTeX, Liberty. Good Lord, let's see what Liberty. Yo, yo, let's, let's see what Liberty's recruiting <laughs> class is was this past year let's see i mean again i'm assuming it's decent oh my god oh my god all right 2021 112th in the country oh you're joking i'm not joking 112th <laughs> in the country north texas was about 70 or 65 2020 89th in the country and they're independent obviously so i can't uh, get a conference ranking 2019 135th in the country that's like bottom of the entire nation, right? Awful. Yes, the worst. There's 130 teams in the country. And 2018, yeah. 137. This is obviously they went from, they went FCS, to, or they went to FBS uh, in 2017, I think was their first year. So they had a little bit of a learning curve there. But still, yeah. they, they've never recruited over top 100 in the country. They've never recruited, they've never beaten North Texas in recruiting. And yet Liberty is the top 25 team for the second straight year, or at least a borderline top 25 team here. That's going to come in here and beat the brakes off North Texas, despite having no business beating North Texas. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's done. It's done. <laughs> you can't even, you can't even, <clears throat> I can't even point at recruiting and be like, this is why South Latrell should stay. Because that was one of my points in the past. It's been like, all right, well, Seth Latrell is recruiting really well. So we have to give him a chance to hell with that because we've seen him now have recruiting classes and him not be able to do anything with them for yeah. all for him, for him, recruiting is a luck of the draw. And, and this is not to throw any shade at Luke Valerius at the coaching staff that works their butts off to recruit, recruit good players because they are recruiting good players, all credit to them. It's what you do with the players when they get on campus and in that regard, you can look at recruiting just as the luck of the draw. Like, all right, let's pick a name out the hat. Who are we going to get? All right, this guy. All right, he's an 86-rated player. He's great. Wow, he's good. Let's put him on campus, and let's see what happens. Because under Seth Luttrell, we don't know. Maybe he's going to be great. Maybe he's going to be good. But if he is good, I can't even credit Seth Luttrell, the coaching staff here, because there've just been too many instances where we haven't had consistency. They don't have depth. And then even if they're good players, 
Are they going to be put in position to win? Are they going to develop? Or are they just going to be Jalen Guyton, step on campus, be great? EJG, Brandon Gardner, step on campus out of junior college or, uh, and be great. Like DeAndre yep. Torrey gets here at junior college, 15 rushing touchdowns. And I, again, I think he's better this year than he was in the past years, but still it's, it's a luck of the draw. It doesn't feel like anything has changed and it doesn't feel like Seth, the trail knows how to improve this team. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I don't mean to beat a dead horse or anything like no, that. Beat the but... dead horse. Beat the <laughs> dead horse. That's the last three years have been beating a dead horse. So no, this is, this is ridiculous. But I mean, you, you were talking about it. We're in year six. Latrell has had ample time to get all of his guys in here, get, I mean, all of these recruiting classes, he's had his pick of who he wants to bring in at least at a North Texas level within reason. He's had his pick of guys and none of them have panned out. And the crazy stat that I ended up including in my recap, just because I thought it was interesting was uh, only scoring six points against UAB. That's the fewest they've had since Latrell's first year when they lost 32 zero to Florida on the road in Gainesville. That was Latrell's first season. This is the fewest points they've scored since then. And the offense is probably as bad as he's ever had at North Texas. I mean, it feels like I agree with you. I, I don't see anything to tell me otherwise, other than they stumbled on some crazy talented players and just had a couple of good years because of that. But even then, you know, maybe didn't achieve at the highest level the way they maybe should have. Yeah, there's, um, yeah, there, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I have anything else to say. I'm just looking through these recruiting rankings. Yeah. Um, because it's not even just the ratings. It's the fact that, you know, these players are offered by a lot of teams. They, they are highly sought after players for the most part. Um, let me look at one thing real quick. I mean, I'm just, Will Keeney, to not develop into anything, it was, was kind of crazy. Uh, yeah. Just, just incredible. And, uh I mean, again, the only thing I can say about the offense is that they didn't have Tommy Bush looked like he's hurt for, for an extended amount of time. Jared, yep. uh, Jared shorter out undisclosed or whatever it is. That's not good at all. I can tell you that like, that's not good. Um, hopefully, hopefully Lorenzo's fine. And hopefully the uh, Deontay's good to go now at this point, because they're going to need them. Yeah. But for everybody coming into the season, which I think kind of I said this as well to to an extent where I was just like, wow, they have so much talent on the outside. We have to understand that there's a difference between just having talent. But then, as we've continued to say, you don't you can't just be decent and make plays in North Texas. You have to be Jalen Darden, Jalen Guyton, Rico Bussey. I think Jair Shorter is that, that talent. I, I do. I think he's, a, I think he is, I think he's that level of player, but he's obviously hurt. So now we're looking at Bryson Jackson, the Travian Brown, uh, Damon Ward got some snaps. Yep. Uh, like Roderick Burns, who I, I'll be it. I think he's a productive player that there's a reason he just got a scholarship here. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not the, it's not the NFL caliber talent here that they, that they this offense needs so um yeah. just what a 
what a what a I I don't know what to say. That that that's all I, that's all I have to say. Um, I I wish this offense was healthy so that way at least we got a, a full fair evaluation. But I think we, there's enough here to where we can, you know, accurately assess. Just it doesn't look right at all. No, hundred percent. And not to knock on Rod Burns at all. You know, obviously he's a talented guy. He's had a couple really good games. You know, last night being the exception, but everybody on the offense was awful last night. Um, but he shouldn't in that wide receiver room, he should not be the top receiver on this team. I mean, no question about it with all the talented guys they have a walk on who just got on scholarship this past week should not be your top receiver. I mean, there's just, you know, no way that should be. Yeah. With the amount of resources North Texas has allocated to the receiver position. Like if you just look at it that way, don't even, don't even, we don't even have to say anything about Rod Burns. He's, he's a good player. Yeah. For North Texas to have handed out, scholarships to Deontay Simpson, Damon Ward, Ziggler McMillan, Tommy Bush, Jair Shorter, Lorenzo Thompson, Travian Brown, Bryson Jackson, Caleb Johnson. I just named 11 players, I think, there. And for Rod Burns to lead the team in receptions, injury aside, is just incredible. One position we didn't even talk about that I think is worth mentioning, more just seemingly misses here, I guess you could say. The tight end position... Jason, Jason Pirtle is still getting snaps here and still is getting the most snaps. It feels like a tight end. And that is basically the same situation as Rod Burns here for me. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here where we have Jason Pirtle in a room with Christian Lee, Varkey's gums, Asher Alberting, Hatib Lyles, Jake Roberts. That's five scholarship tight ends outside of Jason Pirtle. And Jason Pirtle is the one getting the most reps. Yeah, all the other guys are supposed to be the ones with more potential, more ceiling, more upside, supposed to be eventually the better players. But, I mean, none of them are really showing it right now. We've seen, a, you know, a few catches here and there from Jake Roberts, seen Varquez Gums get on the field occasionally, but you haven't really seen what you need to see out of those guys, especially Jake Roberts, who's a guy I know you picked to really step up and kind of break out this year to some extent. And, I mean, yeah, how are you still – Jason Pirtle's in, what, his fourth, fifth year on the team now? I mean, he's been it's there the forever. Year. I think it's sixth year. Oh man, he's been there forever. And it's a fun. Yeah. yeah, I don't understand how he's still the guy with all of the tight ends you've brought in with all that's been talked about, how they haven't really utilized the tight ends all that much. I mean, how is, how is Pirtle still the guy? It's, it's the same thing every year, every year. It's, it's like, wow, we feel great about our, our tight end room. Our tight end room is deep. We have a lot of talent in the tight end room and then the season starts and they don't use the tight ends or if they do, it's Jason Pirtle. That's that's all it's ever been or since. I mean, even when Kelvin Smith was here and he produced the one year he produced, it was like, all right, the next year is like, OK, well, can we use two tight ends? Yeah. No. And then <laughs> it just never produced ever again. So um, that's it. I, I think we can I think we can wrap this up. You have anything else? No, man, that's it. I've gotten gotten everything out there, I think, too. I mean, not really much else to talk about, really. No. No, the horse, the horse has been beaten. Yeah. Uh, but I think appropriately here. So um, the worst thing is it was at home. That's the worst thing. Oh man. The absolute yeah. worst thing. Like there've been some awful road losses under Seth the trail. This being at home just makes it so much worse. Like, like UTSA last year was disgusting. Awful. I watched that live in, in, in the Alamo dome, but that, here, this loss, like that was comparable to like the Houston loss a couple years ago. 
2019. Like that, that's what that one, like Charlotte last year. Like that's what it felt like. Like it, it, you can't lose those. You can't lose like that at home. You can't. And that's another sign that this team just doesn't have it. They just don't. Yeah. Well, and if you want to go back to what I was comparing it to with the Florida loss in 2016, I mean, it was 32 zero, but that's Latrell's first season and it's on the road. So this is, I mean, much worse than that, in my opinion, especially with what you talked about with all the recruits they have in attendance, some of the guys they've had commit and decommit, you know, recommit, that kind of thing. I mean, it doesn't bode well for the present or the future. Yeah. Um, at home, this is the least amount of points they scored under Seth Luttrell, and it's the least amount of points scored since Portland State in 2015. So I feel like that's a, an appropriate stat. Now, yeah, the Portland State it. comparison was one I had seen a bit, and man, I, I wasn't here for that game, but I can only imagine. I don't want to imagine it. I don't want to imagine <laughs> it. Oh, um, but yeah, uh, obviously, Seth Luttrell, I believe, is on a contract through 2023. Uh, he got an extension 2019 through 2023, so I believe that is what he is, uh, his contract is through. So that would be two more years after this year. Um, the buyout is obviously very, very steep. Um, I haven't looked too much into it, but it is something that, you know, while North Texas obviously has some funds, it would be, it would be a, uh, tough bullet to bite, I think at that point. So I think it's definitely, I think he gets through the year for sure. Like regardless of how bad he gets, I think you just, you just let him get through the year and then go from there if it is that bad. So. No, I, yeah, I completely agree with you on that. I think especially coming out of the pandemic, even though there's been talk about how North Texas came out better than uh, plenty of other colleges did. I mean, with, with the financial hit the pandemic had, you know, lack of attendance and stuff like that. I just don't think they're going to feel like they can justify it. And they've got maybe just enough positives to look at. Um, although maybe they shouldn't be positives at this point, as far as the recruiting and all of that goes, I think they've got just enough to look at where they can justify at minimum, keeping them around for the rest of the year. Yeah. And the whole thing throughout these first six games is going to be, Oh, just get to the second half of the season. Right. Just, yeah, get it's just because the schedule's awful. Yeah. Just get to FIU, just get to UTEP. Um, I don't know. I don't know how easy those games are going to be. So I don't either. Yeah, I, I remember last podcast, I think I told you to end it with optimism, but screw that. No optimism <laughs> here. No optimism here. We're going to end it that way. None. But thank you all for joining us. Um, leave a leave a follow us. I don't even know what I'm saying. Follow us on Apple. Follow us on uh, SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter at Mean Green 24-7. Subscribe um, to Mean Green 24-7. Uh, leave us a five-star rating review on Apple. If you enjoyed the podcast, send it to your friends, send it to your loved ones, send it to all of them. Um, thanks for joining us. John will have more content, content coming throughout the week, especially on Tuesday's press conference, which should be a doozy. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us and we'll talk to y'all later.